0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of Cyber Tech Talks, a podcast where we bring cybersecurity experts together for a conversation. In this episode, Nigel Harrison and Katie Kai talk about their involvement in CMAJ from its inception. CMAJ stands for Cybersecurity Maturity Assessment of the Global Ecosystem and was developed by Crest International and funded by a grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in order to enable easy analysis of a country's cybersecurity ecosystem. Listen on to hear about Nigel and Katie's process working on this, an insight into some of the standout aspects of the CMAG approach to cybersecurity maturity assessments. Please note that this episode was recorded in spring 2022.
1: Hello, I'm Nigel Harrison, and I'm here with my colleague Katie Kai to discuss Crest International's cybersecurity maturity assessment of the global ecosystem, or CMAG for short. Samaj has been developed by Crest over the last couple of years with support from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, Katie and I have been involved in it since its inception, uh, refining the maturity model, conducting research uh, and writing assessments. Uh, To date we've uh, concluded 10 reports on uh, uh, African and Asian countries and we're just starting on Uh, another round of uh, countries uh, at at the moment. Uh, Perhaps it would be useful, Katie, if you could start off by explaining uh, what is the aim of a cybersecurity maturity model in general?
2: Okay, so yeah, a a maturity model, um, it doesn't matter who has um, created it, but they're all a snapshot in time of Normally, it's a nation state that's been studied. Um, it's a snapshot in time of the cyber maturity of that nation. Um, maturity being that cyber capability or its cyber preparedness um, of that you know, of the whole thing. Um, and therefore, what the maturity model does is it gives the nation state a benchmark. Um, To further enable improvements in its cybersecurity status, Um, and that can be um, through improving its legal enforcement, its cybersecurity policies, its cyber defence, for example, um, and therefore reducing the prevalence um, of cyber attack or increasing its resilience to cyber attack, and in particular in various sectors of the economy, new education, finance, health, etc. So, every cyber maturity model will conduct its research differently. Um, It will have a different maybe aim and goal that it wants to achieve. They all give this benchmark to a nation, um, which is a useful thing to, if it's it's done regularly, you can A, compare what you were two years ago, but also you can compare a nation state against another.
1: What uh, makes the crest somage stand out from other maturity models? Uh, I think that's probably something people are interested in knowing.
2: Yeah so um when we sort of obviously when we started doing this this smage um you know, we we've, we've, as you said in the introduction we've now done 10 countries and um what has been interesting is you know it is the level of research and as you said the name smage is the cyber maturity assessment of the global ecosystem um and so firstly it's the depth that goes into in terms of research um and the transparency of that research um so it's months of results huge amounts of data that's been found, mostly on open source. um, And that has now all been inputted into the the Crest's research hub. And that means it's all available to the public. You can go onto the Crest website, you can find it, you can drill in, and you'll see all the information and the data lines that we found out. For example, lists of universities that do cybersecurity in a particular country, for example. Um, That's all there. In addition to that, each of the countries has its own report written, um, and of course the report you know, there are lots of cybersecurity reports on this world so there's lots of infographics in it and that is a detailed report on that country with um, conclusions and recommendations and so it's that the ability to get into the back end of the research I think is is really interesting and it's obviously a huge difference to lots of other reports um, and additionally or secondly, the name of ecosystem. We are looking at the whole holistic nation from the point that you know, a government has, or maybe hasn't got uh, a cybersecurity policy, and then how that policy then filters down through the rest of the society, industry, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Um, So, how is that cybersecurity policy affecting legal and law enforcement to the cybersecurity information sharing portals um, to education at school, children level, university students, and then continuous professional development in um, for cybersecurity professionals or people who might be as an adult changing profession. It's also looking at um, the in-depthness of actually how the cybersecurity Business or the industry itself is conducting itself. You know how vibrant is it. You know how many jobs are available for cybersecurity. What's the average salaries? Um, you know how many companies are providing cybersecurity um services into that nation, for example. Um, and then we specifically look at um the financial sector with a banking dimension. Um, you know because the, the financial sector is of course a huge target for. Um, attack, um, cyber attack. And so on the basis of all of those elements, um, we've created the, the, the crests, marge dimensions and its sub indicators. And that gives us a good measure overall of the vibrancy of the cybersecurity knowledge experience. And um, as I said, the cybersecurity preparedness or maturity within that nation at that point in time. Um, and I think we do a great job, um, look at all different aspects. Um, and so picking up on one of those aspects, Nigel, you, one of your focuses in doing research was on the banking sector, which is one of the big standout differences for the Crest Simage. So maybe you could sort of um, speak a little bit more on that um, and, and why it was included in the first place. Yeah. Uh,
1: the banking sector was, uh, as you say, it's not included in uh, any of the other Samarge models that I'm aware of. Um, And we did that uh, very much at the uh, behest of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, The the project was initially being funded from their Financial Services for the Poor programme. They have this vision of uh, having uh, a network in uh, developing countries of uh, good Uh, microfinance institutions, which are able to help uh, the poor to help themselves out of poverty uh, by providing these uh, uh, simple banking services. Uh, But those are going to clearly be uh, interconnected with and underpinned by large financial institutions in each of the countries we were looking at. And what we wanted to do uh, was make an assessment of the cybersecurity in those uh, uh, those banks and other financial institutions. So, typically, um, we've been looking at between 50 and 100 financial institutions in uh, each of those countries. And we've been uh, absolutely, we wanted to make sure that we were staying on absolutely on the right side of the law Uh, We didn't have explicit permission to um, delve into those uh, financial institutions in in, um, a way where that we were actually uh, uh, intrusive. So what we were looking at particularly uh, were external observations taken of these organisations that were clearly, as I say, limited by uh, legal and ethical constraints, Um, and um, what we were trying to um, do was find measures which would help us make assessments of security architecture, access control, configuration management, uh, vulnerability patching, uh, email authentication, staff training, uh, and uh, the limiting of leakage of information which may be of use to the attacker. Um, so those are the sorts of things that we were um, Uh, trying to to look at Mm. and uh, for example uh, when you talk about uh, email authentication it's relatively easy and unobtrusive to uh, identify if uh, uh, a bank is uh, uh, using simple email authentication or or perhaps advanced email authentication or perhaps none at all. Uh, We can look by looking at the Uh, uh, how up-to-date the browser is and the website the construct of that uh, company we could very quickly see if they uh, take advantage of latest patches to to, uh, improve security things like that so those are the sorts of things we looked at and we came up with uh, effectively um, a a, a set of measures which uh, helped us do those Uh, there was the overall cyber risk program uh, profile of each of the companies, uh, and uh, I'll come back to that. But we were particularly looking at uh, things like their infrastructure vulnerability, what risk level there was in that. Um, we were looking at access uh, and architecture risk. We, we were looking at um, email authentication risk, as I've already mentioned, and that information leakage risk uh once we would got each of those institutions uh measured uh and uh, we were able to create a risk profile which produced a um uh a, a chart scatter diagram uh with their uh perceived uh vulnerability uh and uh risk so uh, how vulnerable were they to uh, attack Are they a a, a uh, a target which is uh, very attractive. Uh, what that? What is that threat? And also, therefore, as well measuring that at on one side threat and on the other access uh, th- their risk. And by putting together a, a scatter diagram, we were able to see um, what where they each of the institutions lay on that scatter diagram and able to find a sort of centre of mass of where uh, things were. And we could uh, assess. Um, Uh, whether the institution was in a very low category, low, medium, high or very high, and indeed creating a national average, we could see where uh, the whole financial sector lay in that um, uh, particular country. So that's the the sorts of things that we were doing. We did find a huge range of of, uh, variability, uh, some fantastic examples of of banks which appeared to be uh, uh, really... uh, very uh uh, well screwed down with all the things they tended to be by and large newer banks uh less complexity and we found some examples of ones which were probably pretty poor Uh, and that was really uh all around uh amalgamations legacy systems and such like and that had introduced all sorts of problems into those financial institutions but um I'm not going to go into fine detail um, on on this podcast, but, uh, you know, wide variability, but it really did help us get a feel of uh, uh, what the state of the uh, uh, control measures in that financial sector were.
2: Yeah, no, interesting, because it's um, it's also one of the highest areas of attack, isn't it? So it gives you a good um, insight into what's potentially lying in the rest of the nation.
1: Yes, yeah. So... So, Katie, um, I've just been describing what what we know as dimension five of the maturity model, which is the banking sector. Um, One of the other standout uh, areas that I think we uh, ought to be talking about is perhaps dimension four, which is about professional development. Um, It's got six indicators in that um, uh, particular dimension, looking at a whole breadth of uh, research, uh, and perhaps you could explain why we went in such depth and and what we were actually looking for.
2: So, uh, in terms of professional development, um, the whole aim of its dimension and, as he said, the six indicators was to examine the state of the cybersecurity education professional development um, from from what was being taught at sort of school level children, all the way through from university and then obviously into your cybersecurity professionals, um, and. That's important because these people from your school, um, your school, children, universities and your, they are your future generation of cyber professionals and for your current cyber professionals. Um, So what we were looking at in particularly those areas um, was, um, is the government investing in cybersecurity education? So that would be a direct fall down from its cybersecurity strategy. Um, and that's important because if there is no investment and no encouragement for the government, then there's going to be very little activity in this area. Um, we were also sort of looking for any evidence of what events, challenges, for example, cybersecurity challenges um, and other education that were being offered to school children. One, as an awareness to their own risk of cybersecurity or cybersecurity attack online things like that, that are, you know, children are obviously vulnerable category. Um, so for their own benefit. And then of course, the other aspect was um, information and events that would encourage them to look at the cybersecurity profession. You know, the cybersecurity profession is hugely growing as we know in the Western world, everything on the digital um Stage now, and um, in fact, I've read in recently t- um, that it's grown about three hundred and fifty percent in the last few years. Um, so it's a, a huge growth industry, and we need to continue to train and educate in all uh, everybody in all nations. So events and education are obviously critical, um, and in that, then how many not organizations, lots of them are not for profit organizations, as I found out when we're doing looking at this is how many organizations are involved in running events um, and challenges for children to university students. And then of course, I suppose the most obvious one is actually looking at what is offered in higher education from colleges and universities in terms of cybersecurity courses, whether they are um, diplomas to degrees to postgraduate degrees. And all the different levels you know how many universities are actually offering them in country how many degrees are being offered and then of course the quality so there will be lots of um countries whose universities are certainly not the same level as oxford university for example and therefore you're going to have people getting different levels of education um so looking at that as well um in terms of the professional qualifications and certifications offered, that's mainly looking at the adult population who may already be in a cyber profession, or they might be people who want to transfer into the cyber professional, um, you know, later on. And so we were looking at organisations, training providers who would provide those sort of professional certifications. And then as we know, in sort of the very developed countries, there are lots of accreditation companies. Crest is one of them. You know, how far do these country, um, companies reach globally and do they, are they in a particular country of study at that point in time? And again, those organizations are important because if they are in country and they're providing training and they're providing support for their members and they're providing certifications, again, it's a really good litmus test of the cyber security maturity at that point in time. And once again, is the government supporting the profession? You know, are there can you find statistics at the government level on the cybersecurity profession and how much are they encouraging the cybersecurity profession to grow? In addition, this aspect, we didn't just stop there. So, other aspects that really give a good um, show and tell of the cyber sorry, oh, sorry, getting tongue tied there, cybersecurity profession are things like cybersecurity events. um. You know, are they being run in the country? How big are they? How often are they being run? Who is running them? Um, are they locally organized things? Or are they big international sort of conventions? Um, how frequently are they occurring? And what is their target audience? Um, again, These events spread the cybersecurity message, um, not just as an educational and be aware of being hacked and things like that, but also they're a really good test of the industry and how vibrant the cyber industry is in that country at that point in time. And in addition, cybersecurity recruitment, um, you know, so simple things. Just googling how many cybersecurity jobs are in a country at a particular time. You know how many different search engines are bringing up that country is. Yep, there's a cybersecurity job going in whatever country X. Um, so how many jobs are currently available? How many agencies are advertising jobs? Um, are they generalistic agencies or are they specific to the cyber industry themselves? Um, again, a really good test as to whether you've got twenty jobs available at any one point in time or recent research I've been doing yesterday in one day I found over 13,000 jobs in a a particular country so that 13,000 in one day those jobs will clearly only last for a couple of weeks online the turnover is probably quite good Um, and another thing looking at in terms of jobs is the salaries so um, the average salary is expected for your cybersecurity professions. You can find, there's plenty, again, websites that you can find these on. Um, and again, it gives you a good indication of that country. Um, sadly, as the case is, a richer country can afford to pay more wages to a cybersecurity profession than a poorer country. And the risk, therefore, is for the less wealthy countries, they can grow incredibly talented cybersecurity professionals. But they might not be able to keep them if their wages in country are not as good. So they might suffer brain drain, whereas the the very rich countries, they can afford to keep their professionals and attract professionals in from other countries um, and therefore boost their own um, profession. So, again, all of that is a good litmus test to the maturity of a nation. Um, and it's, it's, uh, you, you, when you take all of it together, all those different indicators, um, and you sort of make that assessment, you can assess on the cyber, the maturity of the professional development dimension overall. Um, but like I said, of course, it all links into the other dimensions, um, you know, it links into the banking sector, because all these people get paid by banks, it links into the policy at a government level. So, um, but the professional development side, of course, is covering, or we're looking for, is it covering from school age, all the way to somebody earning the high end for being a CISO in whatever company somewhere in whatever country. So, yeah, it's interesting.
1: Yeah, well, thank you very much for that. It's, it's uh I certainly think that uh, dimension four was very important as well for uh, the Samaj modeling that we did uh, to get that sense of the community um, and their skills depth and and such like. Um, But uh, so we've now briefly discussed um, dimension five, the banking uh, risk profile. Uh, dimension four, the uh, uh, professional development. Uh, just for our uh, the people who are listening, uh, a reminder of the other three dimensions that we're doing. We looked at uh, national strategy and policy, um, and there were three indicators in that area, uh, which included things like uh, assurance schemes, uh, law enforcement, as well as actual strategy and policy. We looked at uh, information sharing. Um, And uh, certs, those sorts of uh, organisations, institutions, uh, how good is the early warning systems in those countries that we were looking at? And then, uh, as you've already mentioned, uh, Dimension 3 was the one which looked at the cybersecurity service providers. Um, We looked at five uh, particular sub-disciplines of cybersecurity uh, and uh, looked to see if we've got... uh, uh, in-country companies, uh, regional companies or, or international companies are playing in that field because those each tell us different things about the maturity of that uh, that country. Um, so I, to conclude, I really would uh, encourage uh, people who want to know a little bit more about Samaj, go to uh, the Crest International website. You'll find on one of the drop-down menus the uh, research hub and in there, you'll find a list of the countries that have been uh, published. Uh, and more importantly, not just the reports, you know, the, the smart words that Katie and I have uh, put together for uh, the assessment, but the underlying data that we have researched. Uh, there's about 130,000 um uh, data entry points in uh, in that database, uh, which, which lists all of the uh, information that we found. And it's open to scrutiny. Uh, any member of the public can go there, scrutinise it and uh, draw their own conclusions, not just rely on the words of uh, uh, Katie and myself. Uh, so I think that's uh, our quick introduction to Somage, the cybersecurity maturity Assessment methodology for the global ecosystem. So uh, please take a further look through the Crest website and uh, enjoy exploring. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cyber Tech Talks. You can learn more about CMARGE by going to www.cmarsh.crest approved.org. The link will also be in the podcast show notes. We look forward to bringing you more episodes with Cyber Experts. Make sure to subscribe and follow the podcast on Twitter and LinkedIn for further updates. Thank you very much to Nigel Harrison and Katie Kai for featuring on this episode. This podcast is brought to you by Crest, an international not-for-profit membership body representing the global cybersecurity industry.